Hello and welcome to a special mini-sode of Yield Crime, the show where Maddie and I discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear every Wednesday. This special bi-weekly segment is called Can You Crack the Cramp Word, which is slang for a difficult or obscure term, which I thought was very fitting. Today, I'm being joined by Evan, who has a couple different audio productions that I'll let them discuss before we start the game. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Evan Tess Murray, conveniently the only person of that name on, as far as I know, the whole globe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's convenient that way. I am an audio fiction creator. So I write, direct, produce, and act in audio dramas, mostly, I was going to say mostly science fiction, but at this point, there are a lot of them. My biggest show, the one I'm most known for that is sort of my baby, is called This Planet Needs a Name. It's a hopeful ensemble science fiction show about a crew of terraformers trying to build a new world for humanity. We sometimes call it science fiction with feelings in it. <laughs> um, pretty much the idea. And that one is, oh, it's also um, sort of relentlessly queer, as is everything else that I do. I also co-create something called Light Hearts, which is a ridiculous little comedy show, which was a few of us going, what if we had a haunted gay bar? <laughs> and then we just invited our friends to come do single episode guest spots coming in and having ghostly hijinks and everything is always resolved by the end of the episode. That's our pandemic podcast because we needed something. No stakes. My <laughs> God, that is like the best Scooby-Doo setup I have ever heard of. And I definitely want to go to that bar. That's a bar that I would go to. The bar is called Prism. Every time in universe, it's called a gay bar. The owner says it is a queer community space. <laughs> it's not more than a bar. It's got a living room and a library. Anyway, we have an incredible amount of fun working on that one. And so that's another piece. I have a lot of other stuff out there, including a, a sort of family production company called Every Single Spark. And actually, when you said I could talk about various projects, I realized I just finished and dropped one just, just the other day for my partner's birthday. I wrote some awesome. audio drama because she is a Sherlock Holmes nerd. <gasps> and so I wrote a golden age of radio film noir detective, Sherlock Holmes pastiche, but queer. That's amazing. That if you heard that list of words and thought, okay, no, I think I might need to listen to that. It's called Violet's Study. You can find it. The actual feed is called Every Single Spark and may not have populated everywhere, but you can find Violet study this one, this like one off 30 minute story um, on Spotify um, or Stitcher or wherever at this point. And it was it is a pile of in jokes and references and me attempting to recreate some Sherlockian stuff through uh, the sort of first person narration style of the film noir P.I. That sounds amazing. And I'm definitely probably going to go check that out as soon as we're done recording. So thank you for that. And it's a murder <laughs> It's got a little bit of a, yeah. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff that I do. And I uh, am excited to be here tonight because what you do is very, very different from what I do. But I also find it fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, like um, we were talking a little bit before I hit the record button because, of course, all the best conversations take place before you hit record. And I was commenting to Evan about how I started listening to the This Planet Needs a Name podcast I listened to the prologue episode and I got very excited. I actually like went like, hell yeah, in my car when I was driving when one of the main protagonists started speaking Hebrew. And I was like, oh my gosh, this person's Jewish. Like that was so cool for me because as you do not know, because we literally just met today, um, <laughs> which is an also fun part of this segment. Mm -hmm. I used to work for like three different Jewish organizations. So I'm kind of like on the fringe of 
that society or section of our society. So anytime something inherently Jewish pops up, I'm like, my pseudo people. And I get all excited. <laughs> it's actually fairly similar to me. I'm not Jewish, but I am Jewish adjacent. I have a lot of friends and loved ones who are, and I have for a long time. Um, and the character, the actor who plays that character is themselves Jewish, which is how the character became Jewish. And then we figured out how to write that into the story. It's science fiction. And the idea of having a character that could come from like an Ashkenazi critical Jewish background, mm -hmm. uh, which has a lot of cultural support for reflection and yes. philosophy. And I was like, cool, now I have the character who can think about, and I think she says, what does it mean for our stories to be alive on a new world? Yes. Uh, how yes. do we want to be people in a new place? She's the character who can reflect on all that for the audience because, and I do that through that lens of her faith. We also wanted her to not be strictly culturally Jewish, but to be a person of faith. Um, so we kind of play with that a little bit. And as a writer, I think I called myself greedy earlier. My actors <laughs> things in their background and I'm like, please let me write this in. They're my collaborators. I, I credit them as co-writers. And, and part of that process for me is figuring out how to represent identities I don't hold and do it well. And Zahava's Judaism is one of the, one of the things our show gets sort of commented on for the most, that and the trans representation there's a fair amount of that and 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 that kind of thing but people aren't used to seeing faith of any kind handled in science fiction at all yeah much yeah. less sort of comfortably so yeah i feel like my husband's rewatching babylon 5 and uh <laughs> compared to b5 which feels huge like, i was like what no uh, there too you're not allowed but thank you <laughs> <laughs> but that the religious aspect, he was watching an episode that was very much talking about one of the ra the alien races, religions and some sort of conflict that came because of that. But it's like, yeah, that is a hard thing to work into science fiction because it's not something that you would automatically associate the two being together in the same space. And historically, sci-fi has tended to presume that we'll have a sort of super rational future. Yes. Um, and uh as a, you know, that's the opposite of the kind of science fiction I write. I assume that whatever future we create, we will still be ourselves in it. Yes. Messy human beings who are constantly searching for meaning and constantly doing their best and maybe not always doing incredibly well. The central conceit of my show was just if you take a handful of people who have volunteered to go terraform a planet and never see another person but each other for their entire lives, just so someone else can have a new home. What are those people? Who are they? Who chooses that? What are those relationships? And also, I wanted to get away from the trope of like six people in a spaceship and they're all mad at each other. Yeah. Like, they had time to plan this. They would have chosen people who could get along. Yeah. And it's like, and what sort of personalities do they bring to the table? Like to kind of work, work with each other and maybe also oppose each other in some respects, you know? So it's, yeah. In the process, I picked up a creative partner and a son. <laughs> One of the actors has become my child, uh, <laughs> which was a wonderful family, like chosen family process. And his mom is also, anyway, we, we have our family production company is us now. And my son, who is an adult, but he's, he's 20 years old and he's fabulous. He's an actor and I'm a writer. And so I write for him constantly. And he plays one of the romance storylines in this and in a couple of other things I write. So I'm basically constantly writing my son, Breathless Romance. <laughs> and I write my son, like non-graphic, but I write him seductive stuff. And then I have to tell him like, kiddo, I'm going to need you to do a sexier read on that line. And he's just like, I hate it here. And I'm like, I also do. 
and it's it's fun we we get through it but there's a lot of just this is one of the things he's good at and one of the things i enjoy writing and then i write it and then i stare at it and i go could heck cast someone else in that (laughs) (laughs) you're kind of like what have i done (laughs) this is like i just pretend it's not going to be you listening to it and i'm like you think i like listening to five of your takes and trying to figure out which one is going to be the most like suggestive i do not i do not love (laughs) but i do love getting to create with him with the rest of my family audio drama in general indie audio drama the corner i'm in tends to be pretty tight knit we're almost all people doing this weird incredibly difficult thing for love it's not like we make money most Mm -hmm. of them so uh and it just is there's a remarkable amount of work involved in creating something that is essentially a television show you close your eyes for yes Uh, so there's scripting and casting and direction rehearsing and recording and then dialogue editing and then sound design and then composition like we have we have music and the final engineering to put it all together we come out a lot less often than I would like to because I also have a day job yeah that's the hard thing too is <laughs> I feel like I say that ad nauseum on our show like right like 90 percent and it's possibly higher than that of podcasters this isn't their day job like not all of us are lucky enough to be you know, like the my favorite murders out there in the world to have their own production companies and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like we're, you know, doing this in our spare time, but they're they're all like labors of love. They truly are. They are, in essence, your babies that you're releasing into the world and hoping that people love them as much as you do. And, <laughs> you know, with the case of what you're doing, it's like this huge tier above what I do, because you have to think about like the full, like what ambient sounds would go with this what sort of you know environmental things would enhance this particular scene that we're building in this environment like those are all things that I don't have to think about with my show I just make dumb jokes with my sister and cut out myself uh, gasping every five seconds when I'm talking oh my god you never think about what you sound like until you edit your own dialogue um I know uh, and then it's just like mouth noises why do I why I didn't know. I actually have on this planet needs a name in particular, a fabulous creative partner, Trace Callahan, who I've known for more than 20 years. We've been friends forever, who uh, is a composer, musician and now sound designer and audio engineer. But when I started this whole project, it was by saying, hey, Trace, do you want to make a baby that's a podcast with me? (laughs) Trace said yes. And I didn't know how to write a script. I didn't know how to do any of it. I just decided to just try I guess I like pressure, but I, <laughs> as a script writer, I write sound notes in for Trace. But in my case, because my sound designer is so much a full collaborator with me, they are not going to I don't tell them what things are going to sound like they get to invent the world. But sometimes I do write them notes like uh, we get to, you know, enter Zahava's living room. It sounds like a what was that one? Um, Something like it sounds like a test tastefully, but mo- in modestly decorated space. You know, it's like that. <laughs> Whatever that sounds like, go yeah. for it. Trace does happen to be blind. I have a blind sound designer, which means I oh. was joking about that. And they were like, but no, that does sound different than a living room with a lot of things in it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll keep adding those notes. So they they develop room tones so based on what a room would sound like for them. That's actually fascinating and really <laughs> cool. Like, Always a blind sound designer. <laughs> oh, man, writing that down for future. Like if I ever need that, it's very, very cool because there's things in our show that especially like you just listened to the prologue. We were barely we didn't know what we were doing yet. We were just starting out 
by about the third episode, I think we'd started to get our feet under us in terms of what we wanted the show to feel and sound like. I'm still quite proud of those early episodes, but I don't mind folks knowing that we were learning as we went. Yeah. Well, that's kind of why, even though I know our audio was horrible in the first like five episodes of our show, I never thought to go back and re-record them because it's like, yeah, those were our growing pains. And even still, like some I really liked my first five episodes because yeah. the subjects were great. And some of the commentary that my sister and I had was awesome. And it's like, you can't rewrite that you because it's just off the cuff. You know what I mean? Like anyone who listens to an indie podcast, you listen to a few of them and you know, like, you know, those first few will be, we don't have our format figured out yet. And what's a microphone? Like that's, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah. We had people recording in like a, I, what was seventh floor apartment in the East Village in New York in a bathroom. We had to work. I mean, we had some audio quality issues that were fascinating early on to try to work through. Yeah. We all got better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's one of those things too, where it's like a lot of people that go into podcasting know very little about sound engineering and mm -hmm. what sort of things like you would need to make sure that you are reducing background noise or like there was one time I recorded an episode and uh, left my fan on. And then I got to figure out really quickly how to edit out fan noise. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm still not. I, I've sound designed a couple of things just to see if I can. I'm not particularly good at it. I can auto, audio engineer an interview. I can make people's voices sound okay. I can, you know, use some of those tools. But mostly I'm deeply grateful for all the people with skills I don't have mm -hmm. that I can throw scripts at and they turn them into things. So... <laughs> I, I am really lucky, though, for a lot of creators out there who are just starting out. They have to figure out how to do it all themselves. And I wouldn't have been able to. I tried and I failed and it took me an extra year to start a show because I just could not get my head around any of the audio engineering. I just didn't. I had no background. I'm a mm -hmm. writer. I'm an actor. Yeah. I'm definitely a writer and director. Uh, <laughs> those are things I know how to do. But working with audio wasn't. And so I couldn't get started until I had someone to help me out with that. And then, you know, I have several people I collaborate with regularly now. We're all overbooked. We all have too many projects. We all say yes to things too often. Yep. There's, you know, an anthology I'm part of called Someone Dies in This Elevator that is in crowdfunding <laughs> right now. I'm just, I, I'm part of it in ways I'm probably not supposed to talk about quite yet because <laughs> not all of the things that I've done have been announced, but that one is, it's called a spoiler-driven anthology. Every single episode is written by a different writer but all you know about it going in is that someone is going to die in an elevator that's that also sounds very fascinating stop <laughs> making so all, much fascinating things they're all, <laughs> different. Uh, they're all completely different there's some cool stuff out there right we've got one season recorded and ready to go and we're crowdfunding and dropping it and profit sharing among everyone who contributed to it which is very cool this is a project done by a friend of mine called Talmanier and uh, Colin Kelly of Sound Escape Productions. It all sounds so fancy. It is a handful of people trying to figure out how to do this stuff in like an ethical way, yep. collaboratively. And that show, that show has a ridiculous, like it's really fun, but it's got a ridiculous number of people involved because there's 11 or 12 episodes in the first season. Every single one is a different writer and then director and cast. So yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of people to, court, to wrangle big names in audio drama like you're not a big name outside of audio drama just because you're a big name in it but we tapped a few folks to do cameos mostly the voices of elevators <laughs> that's amazing Sarah Ray Werner Kristen Dumacurio like you'll, you'll, hear, <laughs> you'll hear some voices that a lot of people would know like as what one line elevators or 
a character who's off screen. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I love this stuff, obviously. And I obviously could talk about it forever. And it's really fun with somebody who like we haven't met before today. So it's like, yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> I like what I see so far. So thank you. <laughs> I'm really excited. That, uh, I mean, Kate was unable to do the thing and therefore I got to make a new friend. So Yes, I know. So it's like a, a happy accident that I think will have longer reaching effects as far as like building upon a friendship now. I'm feeling it. I mean, I didn't want to come on too strong, but you know. <laughs> now we're friends now. We're good. <laughs> we're friends forever now. We're BFFs. You listen to my prologue and you're still talking to me because usually what happens <laughs> is people listen to that. It ends emotionally. So uh, for the past year and a half, I've been making friends by getting DMs out of nowhere that are just like, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> you ruined my life. You ruined my life. Did you have to go so hard? It's it's just emotional. We wanted to sort of start how we were planning on going on. We didn't want people to to think it was not going to be a show that went to hard places. So we went to a hard place. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's my monologue too. So they just really extra hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it. I acted it. I make people cry. The um, unofficial tagline for this planet needs a name is sometimes the tears are happy. Oh, I like that. I think the tears are often happy, honestly. Yeah. Tomorrow I'll do something out of stories. My feet will walk on earth that is not of earth. Unforeseen circumstances are hard to prepare for. If you can prepare for them, they're foreseen. Unless our plans change catastrophically, it should be fine. I have been asleep for decades. How much more patience do you want? They're growing us a village next to the base of a space elevator on a brand new planet. For you to have this new and better world, I have to stay behind and make it. Unimaginable animals. Mm -hmm. You didn't try the cheese. What will it mean for all the stories you've told me to be alive on a new world? It's so beautiful. Trust me. Here we go. Check out This Planet Needs a Name everywhere podcasts are found. Anyway, on that fun note. <laughs> all right. Okay. Are you ready? No, but I will do my best. Okay. We'll dig deep. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> so I'm going to share two terms with you. Mm -hmm. And you need to try and see if you can figure out what in the heck they were trying to say. Okay. Your first term is shake a flannin. Shake a flan in? Shake a flannin. Shake a flannin. Oh. Hmm. I mean, I just it sounds like a space that's big enough to shake a flannin to me. <laughs> really what it sounds like. It's like flaming cat is shaking a flan. Um, hmm. Alternately making something completely collapse. <laughs> All to pieces. Apparently, this is what they would say. If you were getting ready to have a fight, you would say, we're going to shake a flan in and then you'd fight. I, okay. guess. I wonder where the heck that came from. I know. I'm like, was flan in a person that used to fight a lot or like I'm gonna shake a flan in. <laughs> Although I like your idea of like shaking the house down better. Something you can shake. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Your second term is coxcomb. Like literally? 
Coxcomb. Yeah, like it's literally the comb on a rooster's head. Yeah. Uh, only, only cox would be C O X. So okay. coxcomb. Okay. Another meaning for coxcomb? <laughs> like a dandy who's strutting around like a rooster? <laughs> that, that actually is right. It's a vain and foppish person. I think I've run into that one actually. <laughs> <laughs> so see, uh, I told you. I said the chance. Necessarily personally. I told you, chances are you'll get at least one. And you did. Yes, I think I really have run into that one before because it's, but it is quite literal. <laughs> it is very literal. Yes. Rutting around in your fancy feathers. Yep. I'm so vain. <laughs> I'm such a coxcomb. <laughs> I just spent the last day on the internet putting up a selfie I thought was particularly good and inviting people to compliment me and tell me what my vibes were. So I'm feeling seen by this work. <laughs> moment I saw that I was going to comment and be like I think you look like somebody who's excited to talk about cramp words <laughs> that is also true I the consensus across multiple platforms appears to be a pirate themed adventurous romantic lead which I will take I'm not sure where they exactly got it but it came up an awful lot so it's a good look he's working for me I guess I don't really know what it's doing for me, but it gave me a day of strangers telling me that I look great. And it turns out that's really fun. Uh, <laughs> and that's one of those things where it's like you're putting yourself out there and it's like, say nice things. I hope you're going to say nice things about me, you know. To be very clear about this, I have cultivated my queer <laughs> following. They're <laughs> carefully chosen, decent human beings, pretty high interaction. And we I joke with them a fair amount. And so none of that was, I don't necessarily recommend just throwing a selfie on the internet and asking strangers to tell you if you're hot. Um, <laughs> if you don't already know a couple thousand of those strangers well enough to guess what they'll say. Yep. <laughs> That's very fair. And yeah, that was just my... I was having fun with my face, but I love that your, your word. Yeah. No, I'm feeling it. Just a little full of myself lately. <laughs> it's all right. Everyone's, it's okay to be a coxcomb every once in a while. It's not okay when that's like your default setting. True. Also, I think everyone else is also incredibly interesting and attractive and cool. Mm -hmm. I think that helps. Yep. I will also gladly tell everyone else how amazing they are. So. It goes both ways. It does. It does. I would like to thank Evan for joining me today for Can You Crack the Cramp Word? And before we go, would you like to tell our listeners where they can find all of the lovely things you mentioned earlier, <laughs> whether it's on social or on, you know, different podcast platforms or sure. go, go wild. Thank you so much. So the the show I've mentioned several times is called This Planet Needs a Name. If you look it up by that in any old podcatcher, you will find it. It's at Needs a Name Pod on Twitter and technically the other socials, but we're really bad at updating them. So on Twitter and needs a name pod.com for the website. If you're curious about that, that's also where the transcripts live. So uh, it's a little bit, I mean, they're also in the show notes, but if you need them, that's where you can find them. I myself am a fairly invitational and open person. I'd be happy to chat with anybody who wants to say hello. And as I mentioned before, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Evan Tess Murray. Those three things spelled the way that you might normally see them spelled. M-U-R-R-A-Y on Murray. Like in the world, I'm definitely the only one on the internet, which is a handy thing <laughs> if you have two common names that are generally considered to be different genders. Nobody else does that. So you Google me, you will find me. But that includes uh, Evan at everysinglespark.com is my email address. Every single spark is my little baby home production company with my um, 
my kid and his mom, the three of us have this little group, little company where we put together and put out some of our own material and also collaborate with a lot of others. And that's at everysinglespark.com. I mentioned a lot of shows, Light Hearts, Violet Study is the one if you want to look up just that episode that should pop up on Spotify or wherever. I keep saying Spotify because they were the first people to list it when I dropped it. I don't know how many... <laughs> a podcaster you know it takes ages to populate a feed yes i'm not sure how many of them it's gotten to yet i do know for sure it hasn't gotten to apple as of today so as of yeah. the time this ends, maybe it will have but anyway um that one if you want to listen to a cute little murder mystery would be a whole lot of fun but yeah anybody is welcome to look me up i'm evan tessarea which is a lot harder to spell on twitter which is why i just tell people to google me that's fair <laughs> well it's been at least for me a pleasure to have you on the show and a pleasure to get to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better. So I'm definitely going to have to give kudos to Kate for connecting us because yeah, I am I've thinking had, a lot of what you've been throwing down. <laughs> I'm having an absolute, absolute blast. It's been wonderful getting to know you. Thank you so much for patching me in last minute. Yeah. And I'm actually, I've been looking for something new to listen to that isn't fiction because I create fiction. I don't really listen to it for fun much anymore. It's, it's what I do, uh, yeah. which means I'm always, for things that are more rooted in history or science to listen to and i'm pretty picky and i like your show so thank i'm really you yeah. very high praise so thank you very much <laughs> i appreciate that again thank you so much for being on my show so much for having me yes for sure and as always i'm Lindsay, and i'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime